Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every week to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 35. I've been connecting with friends who have been working for home over the past month, and I'm hearing the same story. We're busier than we've ever been. And how could that be? I know for me it's taken a lot of time and creativity to create and progress workouts for athletes that have different needs and also different resources. And then I have to film and edit the videos and upload them to a website. It just takes time. But we all know that time is the great equalizer because it doesn't matter how rich, famous, or talented you are, or even who you know. We all have the same 24 hours to prioritize how we can be the best athlete, employee, partner, friend that we could be. So if we can't make more time, the name of the game is maximizing what we're already doing. And so today, I'm going to talk about two things that all of us are doing every day, which is sleeping and hopefully showering. But remember my favorite quote, if you know it and you don't do it, you don't know it. So here's my warning. Don't listen to this episode if you're not planning on making a change, because otherwise, you're really just wasting your time. Understanding that you need to sleep more does not help you at all if you're still getting five or six hours of sleep. So get ready, because at the end of the episode, I'm going to challenge you to make a 21-day commitment to either improve the way that you shower or sleep. And sleep might be the most important thing that you could do as a basketball player. Because we all know we really don't get stronger in the weight room or even smarter in the classroom. We get better when we sleep. And here are three compelling reasons of why you should be getting around nine hours of sleep at night. Number one, it impacts illness. Now first off, before we're athletes, we're just human beings. And our health is the most important thing we have. And you can pretty much correlate lack of sleep with all disease and illness. It's associated with higher risks of cancer, depression, heart attack, stroke, Alzheimer's, and suicide. The NBA's been looking into this. Matter of fact, there was a great article in ESPN about the NBA's dirty little secret, which is the lack of sleep. It's not uncommon for some of those guys to be sleeping five hours a night because with their travel schedules, they're finishing a game, having to shower, eat, and hop on a plane to go to the next city. And this sleep debt accumulates over the course of a season. Matter of fact, three months into this season, they're seeing 20-year-old basketball players that have the same testosterone levels as 50-year-old men. And when they did cognitive tests, some players were on par with patients in their 60s and 70s who were experiencing deficits in processing speed and short-term memory loss. And so we know one of the prerequisites to be a healthy human being is to get enough sleep. The second reason it's so important is because it has a huge impact on injury reduction. We want to do everything we can to minimize the risk of injury so you can play your sport. And all the studies I've seen point to lack of sleep increasing risk of injury. In fact, one study showed up to a four-fold increased risk for athletes sleeping less than seven hours a night. Think about that. All the reduction exercises that we do, strengthening our hips and our posterior chain and landing mechanics, All of that's so crucial, but if you're sleeping less than seven hours a night, you have a 400% increase in risk of injury. But I have to admit, 
Back in my playing days, I don't know if these two reasons would have been enough to get me to bed on time. Because I think most of us at that age feel like we're invincible. When I was in my 20s, I wasn't thinking about the risk of having a heart attack or cancer, or even thinking about a serious injury like an ACL tear. But my ears would have perked up if he would have told me how it impacted my performance on the court. But the great thing about sleep is not only will it reduce our chance of illness and injury, but it also can dramatically improve our performance. Stanford University did a study with their men's basketball program to see how increasing their sleep would improve their performance. They wanted their players to sleep for 10 hours a night, and if they didn't get that amount of sleep, they encouraged them to take naps. And after six weeks of the study, the average player increased their sleep by 110 minutes, and the results were staggering. The players improved their three-point and free-throw percentage by 9% and knocked off seven-tenths of a second off their agility sprint drill. Think about that. Without even increasing their practice, they improved their free throw percentage and their three-point percentage. Without doing any speed drills or plyometrics, they became quicker and faster on the basketball court. The players also reported faster reaction times and better moods. But it doesn't just end with college athletes. We probably all heard the story of Andre Iguodala the year that he was MVP of the NBA Finals. He hired a sleep therapist and tracked his sleep throughout the entire season. And what they found is, on the nights he had adequate sleep, he improved his scoring by 29% and decreased turnovers by 37%. Now, I've heard so many athletes report getting six or seven hours of sleep and still saying that they feel fine. They can go out and perform. And I'm sure Andre felt the same way. But we know that the difference between making or missing a shot, completing the pass or turning the ball over, is just millimeters or hundreds of seconds. And so the story's becoming really clear that sleep could be that small difference that makes a huge impact on the court. One of my favorite studies that I read was done with NBA players and social media. Researchers went through and scoured Twitter to find out what impact late night tweeting had on their performance the next day. And what they found is when NBA players tweeted after 11 o'clock at night, The next day, they had less playing time, less points and rebounds, and a decrease in their shooting percentage. So whether or not you're looking to decrease turnovers, improve your shooting percentage, or increase your speed, we know sleep can be that answer for you. So before we talk about how to optimize our sleep, I want to give a quick review of the three things that govern our sleep and how they all work independently. The first thing we have to know about is our body's natural circadian rhythm and how it's unique to us. Our circadian rhythm is basically our body's 24-hour clock, and it helps determine when we want to go to bed and when we want to wake up. And you can classify your circadian rhythm by one of these four chronotypes that are named after animals in the wild that exhibit these sleep patterns. The first one are lions. And you can imagine the lion in nature going to bed early so it could wake up before sunrise to feed its family. And that's exactly how my son Carter is. We put our kids down to bed about 8.30 at night, and I always play two to three songs on my guitar before I kiss them and tuck them in. And by the time I reach Carter's room, he's already fast asleep. And it doesn't matter if it's a weekday or a weekend, this kid is up before 7 o'clock. It's just his natural circadian rhythm. The second chronotype is a bear, which describes my son Memphis great. Bears are what I would classify as a normal sleeping pattern. They don't stay up too late, and they don't sleep too late. And the third chronotype 
is a wolf, which is a person who tends to stay up late and sleep in late. And this describes my daughter, Ella, perfectly. While Carter's already asleep in his bed and Memphis is just about to fall asleep, Ella's in her room with her light on reading. I always give her a kiss, turn off her light, and I'll come back an hour later to check on her. And she might still be in bed, eyes wide open, just staring at the ceiling. And of course, she's also my kid that likes to sleep in. So now while we all have our natural circadian rhythms, they can be impacted with our sleep habits. The second major thing that governs our sleep is a chemical in the brain called adenosine. Levels of adenosine build up throughout the day and make us feel sleepy. The longer we're awake, the more buildup of adenosine we have. One interesting thing to note is, drinking caffeinated beverages like coffee block our ability to feel sleepy because caffeine binds to the same receptors in the brain as adenosine would. And the third major thing that governs our sleep and actually works against it is our arousal system or our fight or flight system. That's why if we're stressed or if we work out late, it's really difficult to fall asleep soon after. And so we want to use our knowledge of circadian rhythms, adenosine, and our arousal system to create a bedtime routine that will optimize our sleep. Now with all the research I've done, I believe nine hours is a great starting point if you want to improve your performance on the court and in the classroom. And then we have to pay attention to how we feel and how we perform because you might be a person that operates better with eight hours or even 10 hours of sleep. But regardless, whether you need eight, nine, or 10 hours of sleep, here are my top three habits for optimizing your bedtime routine. Number one, your bed is only for sleep. This means putting your cell phone away and not watching TV in bed. And there are multiple reasons for this. Remember when we talked about your circadian rhythm? Well, cell phones and TV emit blue light, which trigger the brain to be awake and stunts the hormone melatonin, which helps you fall asleep. And what I found personally is when I'm on my cell phone, it activates that arousal system and gets my mind racing, which makes it more difficult to fall asleep. I've heard multiple NBA players say one of the best decisions they've made is charging their cell phone outside of the bedroom at night. Now my second habit is having a consistent bedtime. If you go to bed at 11 o'clock one night, 12 o'clock the next night, 1 o'clock in the morning the next day, when you finally try and hit the sack at 10, your body's not going to be in rhythm. I've made this mistake before. I want to get a great night's sleep the night before a big game. And so I crawl into bed at 9 o'clock and I just lay there with my eyes open, tossing and turning. And it all goes back to that natural circadian rhythm. Our bodies like to be consistent. So pick a bedtime that allows you to get nine hours of sleep at night and fight like tooth and nail to be in bed by then. And the third healthy habit for optimizing your sleep is to stretch and breathe before bed. This helps dampen that arousal system and allows you to be in the perfect state for falling asleep fast. One technique I use every night is called the posterior breathing squat that was taught to me by the mobility maker, Dana Santis. Now, I'll do my best to describe it on the podcast, but if you can imagine holding onto a doorframe and sinking down into the deepest squat possible where your hips touch your heels and your knees are up against your ribs, and just being in this position rounds and decompresses your back. Now, from here, we're going to do five breaths with a specific count. Your inhale is a five count. Your exhale is a seven count. And then you're going to hold your breath for a three count. 
And on that inhale, for five seconds, as you breathe, you'll feel your ribs and your back expanding. You'll feel your vertebrae just decompressing. It feels so good. And then on the exhale, you want to compress your ribs, decreasing that infrasternal angle, getting all the breath out, and then once again, hold it for a three count. And what I love about the posterior breathing squat is just after five breaths, hopping in bed, I know I've quieted my nervous system, and I've lengthened my spine, and I sleep so much better. So you can see this doesn't have to be complicated. By making sure that your bed is just for sleep, by having a consistent bedtime, and by stretching and breathing every night before you go to bed, you can optimize what you're already doing, which is sleeping every night. And if you're already doing this, awesome. I wouldn't change a thing. I like to think there's a lot of truth in, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if you're one of these people, I want you to take the contrast shower challenge. You know, a couple years ago, I was having some skin issues, and I was changing my diet, cutting out dairy or gluten, and I wasn't having a whole lot of success. So I went to my doctor, and she recommended that I take contrast showers. And while I'd heard of them before, I really didn't know much. But as I dug into the research, I got sold on them. And so here's the protocol that my doctor recommended to me. It's three rounds of doing a hot shower for three minutes and 30 seconds of cold. And you always want to finish on the cold. And so your shower ends up taking about 11 or 12 minutes. And just like sleep is great for recovery, contrast showers act like a lot of the modalities that we're already using, like foam rollers, vibration technology, saunas, and ice baths. And once again, what I love about the contrast shower is it doesn't take any additional time out of our schedule. With three minutes of hot water, you're getting a similar benefit to something like a sauna or a hot tub or even vibration technology, which helps improve the viscosity of our muscles. We've all had those days where we wake up stiff and we get in the hot shower and just after a few minutes, we can feel that ground substance loosen up and flow better. And then with the 30 seconds of cold water, you're getting similar benefits to the ice bath, which decreases inflammation. But the magic is when you combine them together and you get more of a modality like a foam roller. Because we know that our tissues are mostly made of water, which is incompressible. So when I'm lying on that foam roller, it's not actually compressing my tissues, it's displacing that water. And then it acts like a sponge, just like if I squeezed all the water out of a sponge, When I released it, it would suck that water back in. And when I'm foam rolling and I push down on my quads, it displaces that fluid. And as I move the foam roller, new blood and nutrients get sucked into the muscle. And we get a similar pumping action with the contrast of hot and cold. During the three minutes of warm water, blood's flowing throughout my whole system. But when I turn the water temperature to cold, my arteries constrict and tighten, and blood flows towards my vital organs to keep them warm. And then I repeat the process, and by going from hot to cold, it improves the circulation of my body. But I actually believe the most important benefit is not physiological. For me, it's psychological, knowing that I'm doing something difficult every day. Because here's one of the truths of strength and conditioning. The only way to get stronger is with the struggle. That's why I have a job, is so I can challenge athletes physically and mentally. We know that heavy weights or challenging exercises challenge our body. And it's that struggle that forces our body to supercompensate and get stronger. And our brain is just a muscle. The only way for our brain to get stronger is with the struggle. And that's what a contrast shower will do. Every single day, you do something difficult. And the accumulation of all those small decisions 
conditions us to be mentally tough. And now I have a lot of friends that would take five or 10 minute cold showers to start out their day. And I have to admit, I'm not that mentally tough. Knowing how difficult that is, I can't commit to do that every single day. But the reason I'm such a huge advocate for the contrast shower is I really believe that you can do anything for 30 seconds. It could be the toughest drill, the hardest exercise, the biggest amount of pain. For 30 seconds, I can handle it. And the hardest round is just the first one. The next 30 seconds of cold is not that bad. And matter of fact, the third round of cold, I actually enjoy. It's kind of like being in a hot tub for too long. And when you get out and feel the cool breeze, it actually feels good. And so that's why I've been able to take a contrast shower every day for the last two years. And so now we have two options to help optimize your recovery and improve your performance. And now it's your time to make a decision. Are you going to commit to improving your sleep or your shower routine every day for the next 21 days? Now remember, understanding this information is useless. If you know it and you don't do it, you don't know it. So make your mind up right now. Are you going to make your bed only for sleep? have a consistent bedtime routine, and stretch and breathe before bed? Or are you going to take a contrast shower, three rounds of three minutes hot and 30 seconds cold, always finishing on the cold? Now I'm going to leave you with this. 99% commitment is a bear, but 100% commitment is a breeze. And what that means is if you're not all the way in, This is going to be a rough 21 days for you. And matter of fact, I don't even know if you'll make it 21 days. Because if you give yourself an out, even if it's just 1%, human nature shows us that a lot of the times we take it. I mean, think about how it's played out in your life. Have you ever tried to decide whether or not you're going to swim by slowly walking into the cold water? You put your foot in, walk up to your knees, walk up to your thighs, and then turned around and said, no, it's too cold. Versus just jumping in. When you jump in, you're 100% committed. There's no turning back. Or think about how difficult it is to get yourself out of bed when it's cold and dark and early just to work out by yourself. You play mental games with yourself thinking, well, maybe I hit snooze or, or maybe I could work out later today or maybe tomorrow. And contrast that scenario versus being woken up by a teammate saying, where are you, man? Practice starts in five minutes. And think about how fast you get out of bed, get your shoes on and run out the door. Getting out of bed is easy. There's no other option. You're 100% committed. Now, whichever one you choose, I'd love to hear about it because it actually motivates me to keep on going. I'm just like everybody else. I need motivation and accountability so I can be my best. Now, that's a wrap on episode 35. And I hope you join me next week where I bring on Greg Bell, who's the author of the book, Water the Bamboo. Gonzaga basketball coach Mark Few wrote the forward for the book and has given credit to Greg for inspiring his team to continue to do deep work. And to all of you who are committed, we'll earn your ass.